Hello, folks, and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. We are honored you're here. Now, this is an interview from the archives. It comes from someone who won the hearts of so many people and who has sadly since passed away, Jim Morris. Now, Jim was perhaps the most popular independent singer, songwriter, and recording artist making island-inflected music. He was quite a songwriter, and his albums are filled with some great stories. To say he was a Jimmy Buffett clone? Oh, no, no, that's not at all accurate. Although influenced by Jimmy Buffett, Jim Morris was even more influenced by singer-songwriter Jerry Jeff Walker, and much of his songwriting was very lyrical. He was a storyteller first and foremost. Now, this interview Paul did with Jim Morris was recorded in an empty bar in Key West, Florida, several years back. Jim told the stories behind several of his popular songs and how he came to be the Jim Morris that people traveled so very far to see and hear and enjoy. Now, if this interview increases interest in Jim Morris's great work, our mission is accomplished. So, let's begin the interview. Paul Leslie with Jim Morris. The long-awaited interview with Jim Morris. Jim Morris is the guest on today's show. We're very pleased and excited to have him on here. It's been a long time I've been wanting to have this interview, and now it's a reality. So welcome, Mr. Jim Morris, to the show. Well, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is all mine. Um, I'd have to say that out of all of the uh, people that perform this kind of music, which I guess... Uh, I always consider you like the the king of tropical folk music because it seems like you have the most devoted and largest fan base. Why do you think that is? Oh, uh, king! That's a nice title. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I. Uh, we, I'm sure it all comes down to the music, uh, in, in in one form or the other. Uh, we do play a good bit. Uh, all over the country, maybe we we uh, have a little more exposure than most people, but I think it probably all it probably always comes back to the music. And we, uh, I guess, I am a immigrated or emigrated Georgia boy, and you are a Georgia boy who once was playing in the Georgia Sun. So, how did you pick up this uh, island-inflected music? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I grew up. I mean, my my mother's family uh, was very musical, but but uh, you know they played you know, like bluegrass and country and gospel and that sort of thing. And my grandfather had a dance band, a square dance band, and so everyone in my mother's family either sang or played an instrument. So I grew up around music, but it was it was certainly nothing like this. And but I think that's a good thing too because I had exposure to all sorts of sorts of music growing up. And I, I can't, you know, I was, I liked the Beatles when I was younger and, you know, that kind of, uh, when I heard them, like a lot of people, I said, you know, that's what I want to do for a living. And of course, back in those days, you didn't know how to make that happen. And so, and I grew up in the, in the late sixties, early seventies. It was a good time for music. So there's a, a lot of different type of music out there. And I guess when I heard, uh, uh, you know, people like, 
you know, Buffett and, you know, uh, Michael Murphy and Jerry Jeff and Guy Clark and you know, a lot of those guys spent time down here in Key West. And that just sort of resonated with me. And, and shortly after uh, I became a fan, I, I, uh, was able to live a lot of the places that these guys sang about. You know, my job took me out to Montana and to New Orleans. And then I, I lived on St. Simon's Island. So that really kind of made the, uh, the island connection for me. And I just started singing about all the things that I had done in those places, and it sort of evolved into kind of a tropical sound, I guess. And what do you listen to now? You said you listened to the Beatles when you were younger. What kind of stuff can you expect to find in the CD player of Jim Morris? Well, it's a it's a big mixture. I I, I like I like singer songwriter guys like Guy Clark and of course Jerry Jeff and you know, Towns Van Zant. And Michael Murphy and 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 Buffett, uh, but I also like uh, jazz. I listen to a lot of uh, Michael Murphy. I mean, uh, Michael Franks, uh, the, the Crusaders, uh, even instrumental stuff like Spiral Gyra, um, and uh, a lot of. But uh, I'd say mostly uh, singer songwriter types. I like this. I like the, the song to tell me something, and I'm kind of a lyric guy. And if, if the song's not saying much, I don't have a lot of patience with it. And one of the artists you cover a lot of is Jerry Jeff Walker. And there's good reasons for that. But uh, how did you discover Jerry Jeff? It, I was in high school. It was the night of the state final, state basketball finals. And I was uh, listening to the radio, and they played Mr. Bojangles, uh, J- Jerry Jeff doing Mr. Bojangles. This was like 1968. And that's the only time I've ever heard that on the radio. And I heard that song, and I and, and uh, I loved the song. And then when they said the name Jerry Jeff Walker, I thought, what a what a strange name. And so I kind of tucked that away. And it was years later that I I guess the uh, the Dirt Band came out with their version of Mr. Bojangles. And then I kind of renewed my I said, well, I'm going to learn that song. And and uh, so it kind of renewed my interest in Jerry Jeff. And I, I went to a lot of old record stores to try to find his old albums. And I did that a lot in, when I lived in New Orleans. I, they had a lot of old vintage record stores down there, and I would go in and try to find the old Jerry Jeffs that were out of print. And I just, something about the Texas music is very articulate, very poetic. And it had, it, it said, you know, very lyrical, and it just kind of resonated with me. And uh, so I've been a big fan of his since. And when I decided to do this for a living, I went out to Texas and kind of beat around out there for well, for a while, just kind of following him around and studying what he did and uh, and tried. And, and I kind of patterned my uh, fishhead music after what he does. And the name of your record label and business is Fishhead Music. And you have one of the coolest addresses in the world. And I, I never thought I would mention this, but you have you live on 4060 Key Largo Lane in Punta Gorda, Florida. Doesn't Punta Gorda mean fat point? It does. And if you look at the map, it's a big fat point. Uh, 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 DeSoto discovered uh, that part of Florida, and he he named it uh, uh, Fat Point uh, Punta Gorda. All the area, all the little places around Punta Gorda have have names like that. Boca Grande, uh, Fat Point. It's it's really kind of cool. What brought you down to Punta Gorda? Well, 
you know, I guess when I decided to do this, I could live anywhere. And I thought that I might want to come to the Keys. So I came down to Key West and, and lived down here for a short while. And something something about it just seemed like it had already been done, you know. <laughs> and I had spent a lot of time around the Punta Gorda area. And I really liked it there. I thought it was a combination of the Keys and the Big Bend area of Florida, which is old Florida. Uh, the thing I didn't like about the Big Bend area, and we spent a lot of time there when I was a child. We lived up there when I was a child in Florida. And But it's too cold. I thought it was too cold up in North Florida. It's kind of weird to say that North Florida is too cold, but to me it is. And I thought that area was a very good compromise between that area of Florida and, and the Keys. You know, the water looks a lot like the water down in the Keys. Uh, the, the fishing is phenomenal. Uh, they have great beaches and uh the climate is, is very, uh, very nice all year round. One of your songs seems to point in that direction, and it's called Back in the Sunshine Again. And uh, I think everybody has thought that. I think that every year when I go to Florida. But uh, tell me how you got inspired to write that song. I was visiting a friend out in the Northwest. and I, I spent a month out there with him, and, and he and I did a bunch of fishing uh, in, in Oregon and, and all around the Northwest area, it's steelhead fishing and salmon fishing, and but it was it was very very cold. And I remember one day being on a on a stream, uh, and I had to dip my my fly rod into the stream to get the ice off the line guides. And I said, oh, I just can't wait to get back to uh, to Florida because it's pretty out here, but you know Florida's kind of where I belong. And when I when I started thinking about that, I started thinking about a lot of the things that I, I missed, and and the song is kind of kind of goes through my day went through my daily routine you know back in those days in florida i would uh i would go over to boca grand ride my bike over there and go to widdens and, and have a few beers and talk to everybody and talk to the old timers and the old fishermen and hear their stories and uh so i i, I just started reminiscing about that and that's how the song came to be every now and then you might be at a bar and you meet what I like to call a schmoodle friend. <laughs> and there's one song about that. And I was wondering if it was uh, autobiographical about a young lady at uh, the Conk House Lounge. And that song is called Thursday Afternoon at the Conk House Lounge. That's a mouthful. But uh, I really love that song. So tell me about that song. Is that Was that you? Yeah, most of my songs are autobiographical. I I do take some poetic license every now and then, just to make it rhyme sometimes. <laughs> but uh, that that describes a day that I was on my way up to St. Simon's Island, and we were I was having a going to a reunion of my friends. Uh, we used to call ourselves the uh, the Fishhead Gang. The Fishhead, the whole Fishhead thing came about when I lived on St. Simon's. Uh, I decided to make my own beer. And so a friend of mine and I uh, started doing that, and we decided to call it Fish Head Beer. And uh, someone asked me a long time ago if, if Fish Head were a ripoff of Parrot Head. And I said, no, Fish Head existed long before Parrot Heads ever existed. It was kind of a ripoff of Moosehead Beer, if you remember that that Canadian beer back in the old days. So we called it Fish Head Beer, and we used to make this beer. And it wasn't very good, but we had some great parties every time we came out with a batch. And so... Um, all of my friends that, that that lived on the island during that time, we all moved away, and uh, we kind of missed it. So once a year, we started having fish head reunions, and I was on my way back to a fish head reunion. And it's hard for me to go past St. Augustine without stopping at the Conk House Lounge. So I thought I would 
I would you know go there and spend a few hours uh, and then head on up to St. Simons. And but that few hours turned in like a lot of things turned into uh, an evening, then to a night, and then to early morning. And, and before you know it, I was waking up on the beach. So a uh, very memorable evening and and, and a good uh, good fodder for a song. There's one of your songs that I always think is almost an oxymoron, and that's Tropical Depression. Because you just don't think of that, but it's a reality. <laughs> yeah, and, and that first came came to be. I was I was up in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. I'd moved up to Delaware, and uh, didn't like it at all. And I was talking to my friends back on the island, and uh, they asked me how I was doing. I said, well, I ha- I'm having a tropical depression because I, I I need to get back down to the beach." And that's how the the title came to be. And and I. I worked on that song a little bit then, and then it was years later when uh, Sharon and I went down to St. John's on our honeymoon. And we were we were down there for about four days where it rained continuously for four days because there was a pro- tropical depression just off the island there, and it was raining so hard you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't talk. And uh, so I, I took that opportunity to finish the song. I think my favorite of all of your songs, it just the first time I heard it. I just felt it right away, and that was "Live Until the Day I Die," and I just think it's a wonderful song. Uh, tell me, was that song from a personal experience, or, or tell me about that song? Uh, yes, it was, and, it, and it's kind of a recurring theme in my music. You know, uh, sort of seize, uh, sort of a seize the day you know, mentality. Uh, the idea to even drop out of the corporate world to do this. Uh, Came about. I think I read a line from Thoreau that said, "You know, don't uh, don't die knowing that you never lived." And and so I realized that you know, I had all these dreams, all these years, things I wanted to do, and I had never done them. And I thought, if I don't start now, I I never will. And, and so that's why I decided to you know, to do the singing thing. And uh, I was at a a place called the Sandshaker Bar on Pensacola Beach. Uh, one, it was it was uh, Easter weekend, and uh, you know things got a little crazy. And uh, I woke up in the aftermath of that evening and sort of started taking taking stock of my life. And uh, and and that's when I I wrote the song. I wrote that song on the way back from uh, Pensacola Beach to uh, where I lived down in, in Placida, Florida. And the uh, the first verse is just sort of you know reflections back to your childhood where you you think of all the things you want to do but sometimes that all of that gets lost along the way and uh the second verse you know refers to that evening on Pensacola Beach where I you know I kind of uh realized that you know maybe you, you've strayed a little too far and you need to get back uh, to, what, to what you really wanted to do uh but that's one of my favorite songs well, this next song took shape, oh, many years ago on an Easter Sunday morning after I had been overserved by an overzealous bartender at a little place on Pensacola Beach called the Sandshaker. It forced me to take stock of my life. I wrote a little song called Live Until the Day I Die. There's one line in there that uh, I was wondering about, and it's where the little boy looks and says, What's wrong with that man? Where did that come from? We were... <laughs> We were uh, trying to go to breakfast that 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 Sunday morning, and it was Easter Sunday, and you know because we had kind of forgotten that, so we uh, we went to this. It was a Holiday Inn. Uh, they had a, had a breakfast bar, and someone suggested we go there, and so we walked in, and it was crowded with all these families waiting for their Easter Sunday uh, uh, at breakfast or brunch, 
And we went to the lobby because we were, we had, I'd slept on the floor that night in, in my clothes. I mean, we were, we were looking pretty rugged and, uh, and, and I, I'd had a, it was, it was a bad night. And I walked in and, and there was this family standing there and all of a sudden the, the children started huddling around <laughs> their father, kind of going, you know, getting behind them, you know, like to be protected by him. And, uh, you know, he sort of points at me and I'm thinking, oh, this is really embarrassing. And, and, and so, so we left and I uh, went to a, to a different spot. <laughs> What's wrong with that man? There's another song I really like and that's, uh, the writer guy. You know, the, the Conk House Lounge song is about somebody that's getting some, and he's yeah. not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the writer guy, uh, I wrote that about my neighbor uh, down in New Orleans. and uh, uh, we, I lived in a, a apartment, apartment complex there by the river, and it was kind of a, a quad situation, you know. And she lived next to me, and below her lived uh, another guy, who a guy who was just out of college, and he was working for the Times-Picayune newspaper down in New Orleans. He looked like Edgar Allan Poe, little little <laughs> little skinny guy with real white skin and, and a lot of you know dark hair. And I, as soon as I saw him, I was like Edgar Allan Poe. And, and uh, she lived next she lived next to me and above him, and she entertained a lot. And she made a lot of noise. Remember the first time I ever heard her woke me up in, on a Friday night, and I, th- I thought I needed to call the police. And so that became sort of a a regular thing. And and, uh, and he had a real crush on her. And but this was this was a, a woman that he would it was totally out of his league. But you know he would always talk about her. And so I kind of wrote the song for him from his perspective. You mentioned a lot of interesting places. I mean, you live in Punta Gorda, Punta Gorda, and uh, you mentioned New Orleans. And you lived in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about some of the places you most appreciate here in the U.S. or anywhere, really. It was it was really funny. When I was in the eighth grade, we, my science teacher gave us an assignment to uh, pick out a spot in the, in the United States that you would like to live and do a paper on it and then present it to the class. And I couldn't decide on where I wanted to live, so I did, uh, I wrote a, Part of it on the beach, part of it about New Orleans, and part of it about uh, uh, the, you know, living in the Rocky Mountains. And shortly after I graduated from college, in, in a short period of, of several years, I had the opportunity to live both in the Rocky Mountains and the beach and in New Orleans. And so uh, I, all that kind of came true. And, and uh, I've always uh, had a, a, a strong uh, love for New Orleans ever since I was a kid reading books about it. And, uh, and I had the opportunity to work down there and what almost killed me because I was trying to, to enjoy New Orleans and work at the same time. And that's, that's kind of hard to do sometimes. But I, I love, I love the town and it's a great town to have lived in because you know a lot of the places to go without having to live there. Uh, so I, I enjoy that. I love, uh, I love the Keys. It's a very special place. You know, whenever, uh, whenever I drive down to the Keys, I just, just, Stuff just starts flowing through my head. You know, it's it's a great place for ideas. We spend a lot of time in Belize. Uh, we go to Ambergris K uh, once or twice a year, and it's become a very very special place to us. And we take a a group of people down there every spring uh, for a little fan club get together. And but what we try to do is uh, is pick an, an island every year, my wife and I, to to go and explore. And uh, you know. 
we, we kind of like them all. And, and now we were spending some time up in, in North Georgia. And, and I, I grew up in that area and, you know, went up there a lot as a child. So that, that kind of brings back good memories, too. You were talking about your wife a second ago. Uh, so how did you meet her? I met her at, at my corporate job. She was uh, uh, interning. She was an, an accounting intern at one of the plants I worked at uh back a long, long time ago. I've known her for about 20 years. And, you know, we kind of dated off and on for a long, 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 long time. And uh, I didn't get, I've only been married seven years, you know, so I, I stayed single for a long time. And uh, she came down to Florida about 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, we, and we hooked back up. And then about three years after that, we got married. When people see you on stage or when they listen to your your music, they might have this vision of somebody that just, you know, fishes all day and, you know, uh, just lives kind of a very laid-back life, which I'm sure you do, but you are very prolific with what you do. You know, there's lots of albums and you keep coming out with more. You know, it doesn't appear like you're resting. I've noticed you play a tremendous number of shows. Do you think maybe that they don't have any idea how much work this is? It is a lot of work. And, and I think that's one of the things that kind of separates us from a lot of other people is that we really work hard at it. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a labor of love. You know, I never sit around thinking, oh, damn, I've got, you know, I've got to work today or I've got to write a song or, uh, or I've got to do something related to the business because it's, it's, it's just a, a tremendous amount of fun. And, you know, I'll never, hopefully never, ever say that, that you know, I don't enjoy what I'm doing because it's, I can't imagine doing anything else. But we we spend a lot of time. My wife is a uh, is a banker. She's the vice president of a bank and uh, uh, an accountant and all that. So that helps from the from the business side. But she has a full time job that she's very successful in. So she works full time, and I do the you know the music thing you know full time. And uh, then she she lends a hand in in my business, and we have a, another girl that uh, works for us. So. Uh, but we do everything, you know, we, from designing the T-shirts to writing the songs to making airline reservations, you name it, you know, and we do it. But, uh, you know, we're committed to doing it, you know, well. And uh, we we put on a lot of our own events around Florida, and we spend a lot of time with that. And I think we're successful because we work hard at it. I'm sure with all the places you've been and all the things you, you do as a musician and maybe in your leisure time, I'm sure you have some great stories. Tell me that one story, maybe it's a band story, you know, things that only happen on the road, or, you know, anything really, uh, a story that you always like to tell. Well, you know, we we have a a, uh, a saying in the, in the music business that there's a 50-mile rule, you know, anything that happens 50 miles from home, you don't talk about. So. <laughs> that's, that's the... Uh, that's the unspoken rule, but I can't, uh, and you're, you're right. There are a lot of memorable stories out there, and, I, and I'm sure I can't tell a lot of them without getting a lot of people in, in trouble. Uh, but we, uh, I don't know, some, some of my favorite experiences uh, occurred up in the bait shop in, in Toledo, Ohio. And uh, I, I remember some of those, you know, those great nights up there. But there's really nothing like being down here in, in, in Key West. You know, that's that's probably. I know when I was uh, thinking about doing this, the, the idea of of playing down here was just 
you know, something I couldn't fathom, you know, because I thought you know, I wasn't really good enough. And and now to you know to to come back year after year and you know to be able to have the crowds and you know the impact uh, here in the city is just uh, it's just a tremendous pleasure for me. And so I I think most of uh, you know, just being on stage like last night at Schooner Wharf, you know, it's it's a sea of people out there and just watching all of the crazy things happening in the audience. Uh, and, uh, I wish I wish everybody had the opportunity to get up there and, and see some of that. There's lots of people now that are are doing this tropical kind of music, and we were talking about Sonny Jim earlier. Who do you think, when you see, you think, wow, that's a great act? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I I think everybody does does what they do do fairly well. I don't get a chance to see very many people. Uh, And and if I had to think about uh, who I've seen, yeah, I, of course, I've seen Sonny Jim several times. We pl- we play on the same same bill together, and I've seen uh, well some of the people that that have opened up with us. You know, like yeah, we've seen Hugo uh, opened up a few times, but we don't get a chance to really sit there and and watch what they do. You see a few songs, and and then you, you kind of move on. Uh, but to tell you the truth, we I haven't seen a lot of uh, a lot. You know, you hear the I always get the CDs and that kind of stuff. But I haven't really seen that many. That's kind of horrible to say, isn't it? That you, you, you don't get a chance. But I'm more familiar with Sonny's work than than, than anyone else. And uh, so I would think that uh, he and I probably have a lot of, uh, you know, similarities. You know, we're, we're both kind of, you know, lyric guys. And, uh, uh, and you know, we can kind of have, you know, share some of the same following. Your website says that you're good. Uh, glibly reminiscent of Jerry Jeff Walker and Jimmy Buffett. I'm sure you get compared to Jimmy Buffett a lot, or at least sometimes, where people say, oh, you know, he kind of writes that uh, that island kind of stuff that Jimmy Buffett does. But really, in, in in some ways, yes, but in a lot of ways, your songs are very different. Uh, I would say they're even more of story songs than his. But uh, what do you think about those comparisons? I think it's almost natural that you have to compare any of us with with Buffett because you know he kind of he kind of created the whole genre. And the uh, the one thing I find a little disappointing with him is that he hasn't developed it in in any way. You know, he could kind of be the you know the you know like Bob Marley is to reggae. He could be you know the the god of of tropical music, but he hasn't really shown much interest in you know developing other artists in that area. And I can I can't blame him for that either. Uh, but uh, but so it's it's almost it's uh, kind of a no brainer because you know we write about you know similar similar things you know we live in Florida and and it's a shame that everybody you know gets painted with that that same brush though because uh, if you look at the if you examine the music closely there aren't as many similarities to Buffett as you think and uh, but I get it all the time I get people around where I live call me the local Jimmy Buffett and. I say, well, no, he's sort of the national Jim Morris. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I think, and I think forever it's going to be tough to to keep that from happening. You know, I think anyone's always because you know people that write uh, are always looking for a reference, and I think that's their their reference for this kind of music. You're clearly someone that has followed a lot of your dreams. Do you have any dreams that you still are thinking? You know, I should go for this. 
We know I had one of my neighbors in New Orleans gave me a, a plaque a long time ago that said there's but one success, and that's to, to live life in your own way. And and I guess I've always been that way ever since I was a, a child. And, you know, I, I, I didn't do all the, the things that your family expected you to do, like go to college, get married, and have a family and all that kind of stuff. I kind of uh, was very independent and did my own thing and, and uh, tried to live life as much as I could. And... Uh, I, I just hope at the at the end, whenever it comes, that I that I'm you know that I'm satisfied with that. I always wanted to um, to learn to fly, just like in the, in the song. But I, I was having this conversation with some friends yesterday, thinking that you know right now with the, with the way my uh, the way I do things and my memory is, I'd be afraid that I'd forget a, a key ingredient and I'd crash because <laughs> you, know, you know going out on a big boat. Or in a car, or driving a big bus is is you can always pull over to the side of the road if you forget to do something. But on a on a plane, you can't. So uh, I think I'd probably be dead by now if I tried tried to fly at this at this age. But uh, that's something I I always wanted to do, and and uh, I've never really spent any time in the South Pacific, and uh, I, I intend to do that sometime real soon. But. Everything else, you know, I, I've I've fished in some very exotic places from South America, the Pontinol to uh, Alaska, and 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 all over the place, and and all over the Caribbean. And I've never been a real big Europe guy, although I did spend a, take a few trips to Greece because I always loved the history and stuff. So, uh, but I'm fairly content. That's a good feeling. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Yes, yes, and I have people hounding me about that all the time. And when I when I started decided to to uh, to do this, I thought maybe what I would do is try to write a book and sing songs to supplement the you know, the book writing. And because uh, I, I ever since I was a child, I wanted to write a book, so I had all these ideas and I started on it, and everything I I came up with turned into a song. So, but I I do uh, I do want to do that and. We're going through a lot of changes right now at, at where I live. You know, we had uh, a lot of damage from the hurricane last year. So our, just a couple of days ago, our house was just put back together from last year's hurricane. We're in the build, in the process of building a new house that uh, is about halfway done now. It'll be finished in the, the early spring. And they're beginning to work on my office and studio. Uh, gosh, any day now, it's in the permitting process. And hopefully that'll be done by uh, January. So uh, I've told everybody that once all this is done and behind us and all these little projects are done, I'll have some space to work and everything, and then I think I'm going to uh, seriously start working on a, on a book. When you're, uh, when you're not performing music, what do you like to do in your spare time, if you have any? Yeah, spare time is becoming uh, less and less. Uh, you know, when I started doing this, I thought I would be, uh, I would, I would fish by day and play by night. It would be kind of a, you know, like a part-time job, and uh, and this is it's turned into a very, very full-time job. And but usually, I, I like to spend some time on the water. You know, uh, we live at the Burnt Store Marina, so uh, I have a couple boats there, and uh, I like to get out, you know, fishing, and then you, know, you go offshore a little bit, uh, and sailing, and, the, and and that kind of stuff, and. Uh, other than that, that's that kind of takes up most of my time. You know, I live on a golf course, but I never play golf. And uh, we try we travel a good bit because I travel a good bit with my job. But we, but we try to travel to to places where I can, we can just rest and relax and get away from things, and then I can sort of get inspired, you know, to write stuff. And 
But that's about it. And uh, we've been we've been going up to the North Georgia mountains recently. Uh, I think we're probably going to buy a place up there and you know, another retreat to sort of get away from things. What part of North Georgia? Up in uh, Blue Ridge. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lake Blue Ridge up there, uh, about an hour and 15 minutes from Atlanta. Out of all your songs, what do you think your favorite one is? Yeah, I I go back and forth on that. I, I really like It's Always Been That Way, and, and, and only because it it's not that autobiographical, uh, but I, I just thought it was it was well written. And and when I when I wrote it, I, I was kind of proud of the song. And uh, I, I like the you know the way it went in the studio. Uh, I had an idea of what I wanted the song like in my head, and sometimes it's very hard to make that translation from what's in your head to what really comes out. And there are a few songs, and that's one of them that that came out the way I really wanted it to come out. You have a really great band uh, under you. I really like the steel drum player uh, Dave Lapio, or as we call him, the Papster. So tell me about your band. How did you meet these uh, misfits? <laughs> well, you know, I, I started out as a solo act, and I never really had much interest in, or never really gave much thought to having a band. And uh, after doing it for a few years, uh, I met Dave Lapio at my wedding. I hired him to play my wedding. And so he's he's out there playing steel drums, and I said, you know, that would sound nice in, 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 in my music. And I said, well, maybe I should, maybe I should give that some thought. And an opportunity came up for me to to do a, a you know someone asked if I had a band and I said no I I don't but give me a couple of days and I'll try to put one together so <laughs> I called some friends of mine that uh, that I knew that played and some of them hadn't played in a long long time and we just got together and, and rehearsed a little bit and and did this gig and we kind of liked it uh, and that was that was the the genesis of the band idea so I met Dave at the uh, at my wedding and he is been with me ever since then uh the the following year we how uh, we probably played you know 15 or 20 band gigs and then from then on uh it's it's grown to the, the point where i play about 50 50 percent of, of what i do as band and 50 percent is is solo but the other guys uh i said gary harvey came uh joined us in i think 2001 i didn't have a lead guitar uh in my band for a long long time and i thought that'd be a nice addition because you know, chris hadding who who uh plays on a lot of my cds and who i recorded with for years he was is an excellent guitar player and i could never entice him to uh to give up his what he was doing in the studio to come out on the road and play and but it, what his work sounded so good. So I, kinda, I, I ran into Gary one day at a at a country concert. Uh, uh, we were there as a guest of a, a sound company, and, and they introduced us to Gary. And he had been playing with the Platters, and uh, and I asked him if he'd like to come and and and, and give it a try, and he did. And, and we've been together since guys since 2001. And Jim Marks, uh, the drummer, guy, he's I think he came along around about the same time. And uh, Jim is, uh, owns a drum shop in North Fort Myers. And so he's, he's been in the, in the drumming business for a long, long time, has a really good reputation. And I was happy to be able to get, get him to, uh, to come along and play. And, and Dave Murphy, the keyboard player, he's only been with me about two years. We were, 
we were doing a show in, in South Carolina, and he was playing with one of the other bands on, on the bill that night. And after they heard us play, he came over and said, hey, if you ever need a keyboard player, you know, give me a call. And, and I had been thinking about doing that. And I liked the way he played, and so uh, as soon as I got back home from the tour we were on, I gave him a call, and and he joined us. And uh, right now, uh, Charles DeCosa is playing bass for us, and uh, I'm kind of we've had kind of rotating ba- bass players the last last year or so, and I'm hopefully going to settle on one of those uh, sometime very soon. Did I leave anybody out? I hope I didn't. This program goes out all over the world, and there are people listening that maybe this is their first time listening to your music, and there's other people that I'm sure are extremely devoted fans tuning in. What would you like to say to the world? About the world or about? To the world, all the people listening. Uh, well, I wish everybody would treat each other better. You know, for one thing, uh, you know, it, it's it's gotten to be that almost any act of... Just driving these days, it's, it's almost like a, a war zone. And I think maybe we should all slow down a little bit and uh, and, and and try to enjoy life a little bit more. I, I, this year, I've had uh, I've lost uh, two people that I know. One uh, one was the uh, the treasurer of my fan club, and one was the wife of a good friend of mine. And they they both died at a very early age. And uh, it, unfortunately, it's at times like that when you realize that, well, you know, we've, we need to slow down and smell the roses and enjoy life more. And then you kind of get on with life and forget about that. But I think that uh, you really need to uh, find something that, that that you have a passion for. And like I say in one of my songs, you know, you know the money will come if you're doing what you love. And uh, find a passion for it and, and enjoy it you know, because, you know, you never know when it's going to be gone. Well, Jim, thank you so much. I appreciate this, and it's been a very interesting conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.